The very first thing that you have to do if you take the development uh, course is to not give up when it starts to become complicated. I remember that when I completed my studies, I was thinking, okay, so now I hold a, a bachelor's degree, I have, I have a title. What can somebody, what can I do that somebody would pay for it? And um, if you think about it, it's, it, it's not a lot. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our new episode at uh, Extend Women in Tech podcast. And today we will be having uh, a great uh, speaker and interesting speaker because uh, instead of having female guests, we will have a male speaker who is expert in uh, cloud, Azure, and development. So uh, welcome to everyone that are tuning in uh, right now in our podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Jonah Anderson, and here with me is uh, Sherry. We are the host of uh, this podcast that highlights uh, everyone that are working in tech, women in tech, and everyone to to be inspired uh, in, in the cloud. Yes, thank you, Jonah, for the nice introduction, and welcome, Nikos. Hey, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for taking this part in our podcast. Can you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, my name is uh, Nico Stelis. Um, I uh, work as the senior cloud engineer and cloud evangelist at uh, Halo, uh, which is a um, digital slash web agency. I live in Malmö and I have been uh, uh, living in uh, in Sweden for 10 years now. And um, I have been working uh, as a developer and uh, architect and focusing on Azure and cloud things uh, for um, at least the past five years. That's uh, really great. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us, uh, Nikos, and uh, and be our guest. So it's uh, really nice to have you here with us, and as well as you being the first male speaker uh, or guest uh, in this uh, podcast as well. Ashari, you just want to tell you as well that uh, Nikos and I like uh, were got connected through the Asher community, and he was also. Um, he was attending uh, the conference in Sweden, Gothenburg. So it was nice to see uh, Nikos and meet Nikos and hear about what he does uh, in at his work. So uh, good to have you, uh, Nikos. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so uh, how did you get into tech? I'm curious about, you said you mentioned that you've been here uh, in Sweden uh, working uh, in in cloud development uh, for a while. Uh, how did you get into tech, by the way? How does your story look like? Uh, yeah, well, um, um, first of all, uh, I want to mention that I'm uh, I'm born and raised in uh, Greece. Uh, what still is in Europe, but it's a totally different country located in the southern part uh, of Europe, a quite different one uh, from uh, Sweden, which is a Nordic country. And um, I, I, my, my journey into the tech uh, world started uh, from a quite early age. Uh, for some reason, everything that had a screen and buttons uh, caught my attention since I was very, very young. And um, I kind of uh, got the feeling that uh, I somehow would be working with that because I asked my life to cloud it. And then uh, I think when I was in early high school, um, I did a hobby project uh, to help my my family with uh, some calculations. And I realized that I can have a computer doing things. And somehow I, I felt that there is high potential in this and uh, that uh, I could do that for a living. Uh, so yeah, uh, the rest is history. I started uh, um, my my title is IT and communication engineer. Uh, this is my bachelor's, uh, and uh, I took a very clear uh, direction to programming. Uh, I I started with C plus plus. Okay. Yes. So you had a different role then, and then you switched to programming uh, field and started learning the C plus plus. Uh, 
uh, as first uh, language? No, well, uh, uh, in my bachelor's, I had a lot of uh, computer science and uh, a lot of physics also because of the antennas and the whole communications thing. Uh, but I always um, prioritize the programming uh, courses. Uh, so we started with C, then C++, and some uh, visual uh, C++ things. And uh, I think that I started programming in C-sharp, uh, taking a web course, a distant course, uh, while I was doing my military education in my free time. That's great. What do you like yeah. about uh, programming? Uh, I mean, in general, what what drives you into it uh, as uh, as uh, that's why I mean why you do what you do and why you love what you do <laughs> yeah uh, well both programming and uh, being an architect and in general designing software products um, uh, is something that I find very satisfying because thus we can create uh, uh, we can create um, products that help people in their everyday life our goal, I believe that everything we do, everyone that is in that community is to remove boring tasks from people and uh, allow computers to do those boring and repeatable tasks so that humans can make decisions and uh, can make more intriguing uh, actions in their everyday. And this is what I enjoy the most. I'd like to know how your typical day looks like, uh, your day-to-day -day activities at work, what do you do? Yeah, well, uh, I am uh, a bit different than uh, many of our colleagues. Uh, not here at Hello, but uh, generally in the IT sector, I love working at the office. I uh, I don't like working at home that much, so I am uh, I am always at the office, uh, um, almost always as early as at eight o'clock, and uh, then um, the day usually starts with me checking emails and um, uh, answering any unanswered emails from the previous day and planning a little bit uh, seeing what meetings I have and to what time I will have for focus time uh, then of course there are the stand-ups in the agile projects that I, I run and uh, uh, there is always some time uh, uh, for real work and of course a lot of meetings both physical and uh, digital Yes, yeah. thank you. Uh, thank you for that. I, I think I can comment about the remote working because <laughs> you did, you're the opposite of me. I think in the previous episode, Sherry, we did talk about working from home, being uh, like time management and other stuff. And it was interesting because uh, in the previous episode, if you have listened to Nikos in our audience, uh, we did had a discussion about the advantages and disadvantages of working from home uh, especially if you have a kids or children that can be uh can be distracting sometimes and if you have a dog and for me uh i we had like a good discussion there because i i told sherry that since the pandemic i've been working remotely from home and i kind of like like it uh better compared to sitting in the office because in the office, we have this open landscape where I get distracted by the open noises in discussion. So it was interesting. So I, uh, I it it gives us a conclusion that every individual, every one of us, is unique, and we we do the things that suits best for us. So that's good that we have this hybrid way of working uh, today. Uh, so that's really. Uh, uh, interesting. Um, how about Absolutely. you, Sherry? How is it? How, 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 what's your input in this? <laughs> yeah, I, I believe Nichols, maybe I cannot speak for him, but then maybe he has got a lot of meetings and it's easier, like, uh, or good, like when you have face to face meetings. But if you are like working alone for a longer time, only with your computer. For me personally, I prefer nowadays, like you, after the pandemic, staying home and working. At least I can save in general going and returning. So it's better for me to, to work from home. But uh, our workplace is hybrid, so I have to go to office sometimes. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's a modern way of working today. I think uh, since the, the pandemic has really transformed how 
we work, I think, everywhere. I mean, it gives us the advantages and uh, like ways that saves us time and save also energy and uh, sustainability. Like you don't have to spend money to take the train, grab the car or uh, I mean, I mean, drive to the car. Uh, I, I'm like Chetty because I my office, uh, my office consulting office is like one hour uh, away from home and one hour back. So literally by working from home, I can save 10 hours per week that I can use to spend time with my hobbies, relaxation time, my book project, and with family. So there's like uh, uh, advantages and disadvantages there. But I know, Nikos, you do, you do go, like walk, right? Yes. Uh, you live exactly. nearby. <laughs> Good for I, you. <laughs> I have an ideal situation. My, my home is located a, a few hundred meters away from the mm. office. That's uh, great. Yeah, I, I might uh, have a similar opinion if I if I had that distance barrier also. Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah, going back to what we talked about, about the, the job that you do, uh, I'm curious, like you did mention, I mean, I know that you're also working with uh, one of the cloud technologies that I'm passionate about. Shetty knows that I'm into Azure. And you are also working with the same cloud platform. I'm just curious, I mean, what do you like about Azure and what are the capabilities that you see in that, uh, considering that maybe some of our audience are new to Azure and maybe they are considering about learning Azure, but mm -hmm. they don't know which path to take and the need to learn more from someone like you in this role yeah uh, well uh, Azure is a Microsoft product and uh, Microsoft has a whole family of products uh, they they have a very big shoot of um, frameworks and tools that can be used to to create software and to design software and uh, for me being uh, a developer uh, that has worked uh, pretty much uh, all over my career with uh, .NET Framework and .NET Staff, uh, working with Azure was like a, a logical step because everything is so well interconnected and the leap is very, very easy to take. So if you have any um, application that is based on .NET, uh, the Visual Studio, the program we use to create those applications, uh, pretty much does everything for us. So it is the easiest way, but even if you don't use, um, even if you don't create uh, .NET-based applications, and if you do like, for example, web uh, applications or something, uh, Azure has fantastic tools to uh, to deploy those applications and to manage them very, very easy. Uh, and also another very, very important uh, fact is that Azure has a great community, uh, both digital and physically. And there are people like uh, Yona, for example, uh, that spread their knowledge. And I just can't find the same thing uh, with uh, the other uh, cloud providers. I, I don't say that it doesn't exist. I, I just haven't uh, found it. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And thank you for mentioning me about that. I really, I think uh, that one of the things I like about the community, tech communities, uh, in terms of uh, of Azure technologies, is that the 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 benefits of collaboration and learning together, like uh, the feeling that when we're talking like this, uh, we have the same uh passion uh to to learn together, and it doesn't matter what level you are or how many years of experience you have, we know that we're going to help each other in learning specific technologies and even mentor those that are still new to to that one. Um, so um, I think Shedi might have uh, further questions related to this. I know, I'm sorry, uh, I apologize if maybe <laughs> we did talk about Asher and I know that you work with front-end development, Shady. I don't want, I didn't want to be exclusive. So yeah. what's your thoughts about this? You should take a chance to speak and ask questions to Asher. Yeah. <laughs> Asher technology is like us right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's your question. <laughs> Um, one of my questions would be like, since you are 
an architect, what's your journey to this position? Like, how did you came to this position? Have you started as a back-end or front-end or? That's a great question. Uh, personally, uh, I started as a back-end developer. Uh, to be honest, in my days, um, back-end and front-end were not that separated. Of course, the um, uh, the terms are, are not new, uh, but um, the people, uh, I started designing Windows desktop applications. And then we didn't have, uh, we talk about monolith systems, but the whole application was in one project. And when we didn't have different people doing backend and frontend, we did pretty much everything. And of course, we had different people from the other departments uh, liking or liking a little bit less what we did. But we didn't have a front-end developers per se. So um, we were just developers. We created software. Uh, then while when I started working with the bigger with enterprise applications, I, I started working more with databases and with system design. I was caring a lot about performance, about how we can have a system that is fast, reliable, and secure. And um, I started to care more about the things that happened behind the curtain. I, I, I can't say that I choose um, one over the other. It just happened that I focused more in the backend things. And um, the more I coded, the more I realized that I care more about what the system I designed does than how it does it. So this was the physical, the logical step for me to jump over from writing code to designing the solution. I believe that the, this uh, it was a small period while I did kind of both. Like when you take responsibility and you say, I uh, um, please let me uh, let me decide, uh, not decide, but uh, uh, let me give it a try, how this could be done. And then you design the whole feature and you design the architecture and you also implement it. And uh, for a few years, I kind of did both until I, I felt that, uh, you know what, I, I would like to focus more on how the system will be built and maybe not build it myself. Uh, so for me, this was the step to become an, uh, an architect. Uh, of course, the same thing can be done from the front-end side uh, because an architect um, has full responsibility for how the, the system performs and we cannot overestimate front-end. The front-end is extremely important. The first impression lasts. And it has to be jaw-dropping uh, for for the system to succeed and to complete its um, uh, its goals. Uh, so I, I do believe that many successful architects start their journeys as uh, front-end developers. I am not sure that I know any architect who never has coded, however. Somehow I, you yes, need to come from that side. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about I, you if you have ever met yes. anyone. Yeah, I that's really interesting. Uh, I really like your like the question, the answer to the question that Chedi had, and I really like uh, your answer there about because my journey is actually like I'm I'm like leading also to different. I mean, I have with different roles like developer slash uh, cloud architect and DevOps, and somehow I uh, I, I I do agree with you that. It's very common that architects, uh, especially cloud architects, has once or twice or have experience at least in backend development in some kind sort of uh, development. And if you say developer, that really means that you you can do backend, frontend, and at least understand the system uh, that way. And in terms of uh, Sherry uh, working with frontend, I think I uh, I do agree that there's an importance between the collaboration and synergy of front end and back end because without the front end a design where the users actually work and do the button and clicking and stuff it won't be it won't be a system so it takes mm. collaboration, like infrastructure, back-end develop, uh, back-end system, and front-end. So I think if we three is going to build a project together, we're going <laughs> to succeed. <laughs> great, yeah. I was about to ask you, but you answered my question. Uh, can oh. someone be a developer, like an architect, 
without being a first doing the development part. But you said, yeah, it might not be ideal. Uh, it, it, exactly. It might not be ideal. I, I don't say that it, it can't happen. I say that I have never seen that. Um, I don't know. Can you be a car mechanic without ever driving a car? <laughs> maybe, That's maybe a good in theory, maybe. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think you uh, the basic uh the basic is also like uh uh important uh in that uh, in that way because in order to architect and design systems and build one you need to understand what that system does and the only way to understand the system is to build it, develop it and debug it, solve problems uh with it. So regardless if it's uh, for the front end part or back end part or infrastructure, so it all it all relates. So uh, fundamentals and basics uh, are important. Uh, I have a question uh, for you, Nikos. We are like uh, bombing you with lots of questions yeah, because sure. you're no. an interesting person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm curious about um, this podcast is about. Uh, about like inspiring uh, women in tech, underrepresented groups, and not just that, but making tech more inclusive and diverse for for everyone. And it's obvious, of course, like uh, wherever you go, um, there's a shortage of female developers, regardless of the front end or back end, all over the world. And IT companies are striving to hire female employees, but it's hard to find. And one of the reasons that I see that's the reason why I became like a standing on stage is that I saw the problem of lack of role models. And you as a male uh, architect, or male developers, uh, if we're gonna label the gender, what, what do you think would help to inspire men, women, junior developers to have the same career as you or anything related uh, into tech? Yeah, uh, first of all, I have to say that I find, I find admirable the fact that you that you do this, uh, this thing. It is a noble cause. And uh, it is very, very true that there is a big shortage of the underrepresented groups uh, in the tech industry. Almost 90, 95% of my colleagues um, have been uh, male. That, that is uh, true. And uh, I do hope that this uh, changes um, uh, over the years. Uh, now, my tips about how people can start it. Uh, well, the 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 very the very first thing that you have to do if you take the development uh, course is to not give up when it starts to become complicated. I remember that when I completed my studies, I was thinking, okay, so now I hold a, a bachelor's degree. I held I have a title. What can somebody? What can I do that somebody would pay for it? And um, if you think about it, it's it, it's not a lot. Actually, like uh, we do some hello world projects, we do some pretty basic stuff. We have some ground knowledge, uh, but uh, nothing of or most of it is not really something that we could sell. So to get there, you have to get your hands dirty. You have to have a junior role first. You have to try a lot, to work a lot, to study a lot. And um, in the beginning, it might it might seem like a mountain to climb. It might sound it might might feel like it's a lot and um, it might be a lot but you have a lot of time also so don't lose your passion in the beginning and the rest will follow the tech community is a very welcoming one everybody is uh, is welcome I, and um, i think that no matter if you are male female or any other uh, underrepresented group uh, everybody is welcome uh, to join and uh, we do want that everybody joins yeah I, I agree with you in that. So tech should be an inclusive uh, place for everyone where everyone can grow. And I can relate about um, learning by doing, and you have to start uh, being a junior. Uh, we were once junior developers, uh, front end, junior front end, or 
or junior back end. So um, I can relate uh, to that. How about you, Chetty? Yeah, like um, Jonah said, it's uh, we were there. Where should one start? Let's say I came to the to you, okay. um, and then I ask you, okay, I want to be a developer. What should I do? What would be your suggestion and your answer? Uh, my suggestion would be to start learning some basics and to to see if you have the logical thinking the way if your brain is connected that way that you can understand algorithms easily if that's the case then you're one of the lucky ones you have a physical talent on it and you should definitely um uh, chase uh, this career if you don't then uh, you should never ever ever give up because it might and it will come up later uh, when you connect the dots so the first thing would be to uh, to get to learn some basics and to learn by doing. Uh, only studying will not get you far enough. You have to practice what you learn. And luckily, again, um, in the tech community, there is millions of people that are happy to help. I am one of them. I know that uh, Yona is also one of them. I'm sure you would also help uh, everybody that asks for help. And um, and everybody else all over the world, uh, everybody wants to help uh, to help our colleagues to uh, to start up their careers. And um, so, if you start with the basics and you practice, then uh, slowly you you will find yourself being able to do more advanced stuff. And uh, it doesn't take long until until you can uh, you can work with it until you can get a job as a developer. I would say a few months. Yeah, that's really a good uh, good input, Nikos. And I really, really agree about like uh, start small, learn the basic and learn by doing. And then when you learn by doing, you also have to prepare to fail because that's part of the learning process. I remember when I studied software development or like in the Erkesuk school and here in Sweden because I studied more than once. <laughs> I, I remember uh, I had like challenges, like I was new to programming and then I get stuck uh, and then you fail, you keep trying until you learn from that mistakes. And that's part of the process in problem solving and building something. Sometimes you have to just learn from the mistakes as well, not just for solving uh, successes, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Relatable to this one. Uh were you growing up or uh, like starting on your career did you have a, a role model looking up to anybody uh, that you would uh, i think that my answer will surprise you uh, there i have many role models and uh, they are both people that are way more senior than me and they are they are also people that are totally new to the market because uh, I think that what helped me a lot to come where I came. Now, if this is something that uh, that can be continue, that can be described as a senior, it is that I never stopped learning and I never believe that I know enough. And everybody has to teach me something. So most people are role models for me because everyone knows something that I don't. Uh, now, if you if you're talking about a classical mentor or a, a role model in that way, again, there are many people who have who have helped me and who have uh, explained things to me um, that I, I didn't know and that I went knowing wrong for long periods. Uh, uh, if I have to choose only one, I will uh, I will pick uh, uh, Thomas Nareskog, which was. Um, the first people who gave me a chance to um, program for leading. It, it was the first guy who gave me a job as a developer only. No technical, no uh, like technical, I mean to, to fix things with uh, screwdrivers and stuff. No technician things, just development, just code. This was the guy and um, nothing would have happened if he hadn't given me the chance. So I, I want to take this chance to thank him, even, uh, even from this uh, stage. So it matters then to have such kinds of people in our lives. Uh, it does, yeah. Complete, I right? yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, I really like uh, what you said. If I I may add something or comment about what Nico said, I I can really relate on that part. That that mindset that you don't know enough. That every day uh, is a learning opportunity uh, in tech, especially in like what we do. That there's always something we can learn from others and we're like humble enough to be open mind open minded in receiving that knowledge and learning from others and the other way around you as an expert in a specific topic like Asher for example uh, you have that mindset that it's something a gift that you can give a knowledge that you can give and share to those that are new in this technology and that itself the 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 collaboration like back and forth in uh in the community is what i really love uh, because mm -hmm. i know that we cannot improve as a person i mean uh, our skills uh, our everything in any levels by ourselves only we need everyone so like by speaking what we do right now, we we are in the podcast, but we're mm. actually synergizing together and learning about each other and discussing things with each other because we can relate. And that kind of like uplifts our our spirits as well, <laughs> if, you, if you know uh, what I mean. I, upon that, I would also like to, uh, to add something. And since we are in this very podcast, uh, uh, I am not afraid to say that uh, as a male, I have many female role models, starting from my wife, uh, who is an uh, an MVP, a most valuable parent, because I work quite a lot and she takes the burden of uh, uh, taking care of uh, our household and uh, children. We did not share parental leave equally, and this is something that hurts me a lot, but uh, she is a hero, a true hero. And um, there are many female females in the tech community as well. Yona is one of them. I know she's humble. She doesn't speak a lot about herself. Thank but you. <laughs> her, her career is um, admirable and almost unbelievable. And uh, there is Iris Clawson, uh, whose book I bought yesterday at the Eredev. She, she is also a, a great scientist. Uh, I, I think the, this would be uh, the perfect word to decide it. Uh, uh, I have also had um, multiple female colleagues who did a fantastic job and who, from whom I learned a lot. Um, and it is it is uh, not uncommon uh, for um, both genders to have role models of the opposite gender. Um, I, I I think that uh, it should be said. I like uh, our conversation so far. It's going well, but. Uh... Yeah would also be interesting to know the languages you like and the platforms um, that you use mostly in Azure and um, maybe related to this we can, you can answer us um, mm -hmm. let's mm -hmm. say if we want to use a, as a, a cloud computing or like what kinds of things should we consider in a smaller scale but I know it's generally there are a lot of things to consider, but uh, what would be your uh, suggestion or advice? Well, that's a, that's a very good question. Thanks for asking it. Uh, well, uh, first of all, my go-to is C sharp, like uh, blindly. <laughs> but uh, I am, I am, um, of course, I cannot be objective uh, about that. Uh, I am a .NET guy. I like C sharp, but. Uh, then being honest, um, uh, Python uh, takes a long way uh, when it comes to machine learning. Um, pretty much and mostly uh, the biggest part of the uh, machine learning community uh, codes with Python. You cannot avoid it. And why should you also? Python is great. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great language and uh, uh, you can do great stuff uh, with it. Um, first and foremost, uh, with uh, machine learning. Then I also like Go language. Uh, which has a great advantage. And they say uh, that um, if you create Azure functions, for example, then you pay, uh, even in Azure, you pay for the size of the storage account that you need. And with Go, you, the compiled file is very, 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 very small. 
so you pay less and we like that uh, so uh, of course uh, I, I am not uh, that experienced with go but uh, uh, from what I have seen you can uh, achieve um, a lot of tasks using only go and this will give you a much smaller uh, file which will save you money and also if you do in uh, something in uh, kubernetes for example or something and uh, you deploy um, a, a go uh, executable file then redeploying it will take much less time so it will even give you better performance uh, now when it comes to front end uh, i'm i'm very weak uh, but uh, i have uh, tried blazor it sounds lovely i like it a lot and i will do some hobby projects so if you have anyone in your audience that has experience with this uh, with a Bla blazor please ping me uh, i would have some questions uh, and I, I know that the JavaScript uh, frameworks um, have their fair share, have the biggest share of the market uh, when it comes to front end. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have something to add about that. That's a really great uh, advice, uh, Nico. So uh, we, you did uh, tackle uh, Blazor. So what's good? I am a .NET developer as well. <laughs> so so and then and I work with Azure. But one of the uh, things I want to add about uh, Blazor, just for reference or information to our audience that are new to it, is that uh, Blazor actually allows us to like develop it in other. Uh, uh, JavaScript frameworks, like for example, with Angular and Vue.js and other like languages that uh, you are familiar with if you are a front end developer. And in terms of Azure as well, and in uh, uh, something similar to Blazor, is that there is also the uh, Azure static web apps which mm -hmm. actually is really good, almost free, easy. It's like static pages that you, HTML pages and content that you can host directly and build website uh, easy if you're a front end developer, just getting started to uh, uh, create a, a website into the cloud. That's also a good start. And of course, uh, Blazor uh, and DevNet as a backend uh, language uh, as well. And I think you did mention uh, Python, right? Uh, I did. Correct. I did. Yes. And that's uh, yeah, exactly. That's also good for like uh, machine learning, mm -hmm. and uh, Internet of Things is also another <laughs> world in the cloud. So, mm -hmm. I believe Internet of Things uh, is that also um, is that also Python that's commonly used there. Uh, actually, uh, right before the the discussion we have, I was sitting with a Raspberry Pi Pico, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, um, you do programming with Python, uh, yeah. and uh, it's great that you mention it because there is this misunderstanding that uh, Azure is strictly .NET. It's not polyglot. No, you no, can do pretty not. much anything. Uh, uh, yes, it? Yeah. it is. I have actually uh, uh, Azure. Uh, I do a bit of Azure IoT development. So I have this Azure IoT dev kit and mm -hmm. it has all the sensors in this kit. Uh, as a developer, you can uh, develop it with uh, any uh, supported language and then integrate it with Azure IoT hub in, in, uh, in Azure. And the good thing about it is you don't code it with C Sharp, you code it with C, Make, and other uh, tools uh, that support it for IoT. And I think uh, when you want to develop it, you can also sync uh, Raspberry Pi with Arduino, which is another IoT mm. uh, tool. But uh, there's uh, something new in Azure that relates to this, to those that are new uh, and don't have Raspberry Pi or don't have uh, Azure IoT uh, dev kit that they can't afford. Uh, Azure now supports a tool called Azure IoT plug and play that you can literally use the your phone uh, as uh, as an IoT device for development uh, using its sensor that it already has basically. So you just have to install the Azure IoT plug and play app and your phone, iOS or Android, and then you connect your phone to Azure IoT, uh -huh, mm -hmm. and then you can use the sensors and talk with it and program with it with your favorite 
uh, language. So yeah, so those interesting, Shady. You hear <laughs> a lot of technologies or possibilities in in the cloud. Yeah, it's. I hope it's useful to our audience that are mm. listening right now. That's it's fun to work in tech. <laughs> you can be creative, logical, and have fun. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, thank you both for clarifying that for about later. Like. It's I have a question for you, uh, Nikos, um, mm -hmm. since uh, you are our first um, male uh, guest speaker in this podcast. I am mm -hmm. curious about uh, how uh, do you think we can um, contribute, especially men, uh, in making tech and IT more inspiring uh, for everyone, like young women or younger generation, for everyone. Well, uh, there is a Swedish expression that uh, reads like, uh, uh, nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. And uh, I think that the little something that most people can do is to first of all, be open and uh, be uh, welcoming for everybody and sow it uh, because it's not enough to believe it you have to sow it as well then if you want to to go a bit farther uh, there are many many groups like the hello world group uh, like the um, uh, food cafe i know that they have a food coding class and uh, they also have coding classes for children and because i believe that this is where we should start it should come from the school like them the common belief that if I tell you to imagine a nurse and if I tell you to imagine a doctor, I, I pretty much know what you're both thinking and what I am thinking as well. And we should break that. This should be the thing, the thing with the engineer. If I ask you to imagine an engineer, I'm afraid that most people would imagine a male person. And um, this is something that we have to change. And I believe that these type of changes happen. Uh, the best place for the change to happen is the school. So if we could somehow um, endorse uh, schools and to uh, teach uh, development, teach uh, computer science, teach, uh, some kind of engineering in the very early ages, then maybe the interest for this uh, sector uh, comes from the earlier ages and uh, that we get more representatives from the uh, underrepresented groups uh, in the sector. Yes, uh, I I like that answer and I agree. I used to teach uh, programming in schools uh, years ago um, here in my city, and it's a it's really good to start there because that's where the crit the critical moments of a youth to decide what path to take uh, in his or her career. And that's when also the critical part or the important phase where uh, these younger generation can see role models uh, uh, in that phase and get inspiration for that. Of course, we don't have to force everyone to work mm -hmm. in tech, but it should have this break the barrier, break the norms that, hey, if you're a nurse, you should be like the mind. I mean, the stereotype is a female. Hey, you're a programmer. The stereotype is a male. And I think we we help. I think it's been better for the past 10 years as we like have podcasts like this, community, uh, have, trying to be diverse, even companies, Microsoft and even big companies. And I truly agree that it should start uh, at the beginning or, or the beginning of the phase. And that should start. Uh, in uh, schools and if mm. we succeed in that that means that the data that we got are in terms of um, AI because there is a gender bias also in artificial intelligence which results to its bias so that means we get uh, more neutral data more gender equal and that will help uh, in the results of the future uh, modern technologies that we build together uh, may I also ask a question uh, about yes. that? Yes. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Uh, except, uh, uh, except from my professional life, I also have a family, and I am a proud father of two daughters. Mm -hmm. And I Great. would like to ask you, who are already in the industry, 
what can I do as a dad and what can I do as a male person to at least not cut the way uh, of my daughters and of uh, other underrepresented groups towards the industry? What can I do? No, I'll let uh, Sherry uh, answer that first. Okay. Um, but uh, to be honest, it's hard to say one thing. To me, it's like showing them it's fun. And then it's creating solutions. Show them that it's fun. It's interesting. It's not always into computers, but it's also gives us some other tools, like show them, let's say, some apps that are really interesting, fun to watch, fun to like use. I know um, friends, my friends, they 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 started at at age of seven. Okay. Yeah, he teached her the scratch, and then he's saying he's seeing progress, like she is into it and liking it. Um, and the other one is like. Um, I know one in one of our episodes, um, Labs, you remember? Um, they usually help school kids to code in Python. Mm-hmm. And okay. It's like they have a device. That device is um, in like a hurt and, you know, mm-hmm. such things that are, that makes them uh, uh, inspired to see, to see their product or their code right away in that uh, device. It's good advice. Yeah, that's good advice, Jada. You did mention Scratch. Uh, I don't have kids (laughs) yet, so... I have a dog, but he doesn't know how to type with his toes. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I would like to add something with you did mention Scratch. Uh, some uh, something I, I I have to add that uh, it's it's in it. I would advise to interest your uh, your daughters into tech or something similar programming by making it more fun and creative. Like literally, they build something and they'll be inspired and fascinated how cool or fun to build something with tech. And Shetty mentioned Scratch uh, for programming tool and even Imagine Loves, one of the podcast episodes interview that we had. But when I was teaching programming uh, to kids and even uh, the youth uh, here in my city, I did use Scratch, and there's a, a tool also uh, uh, called uh, Tinker.com. Uh, uh, it's actually a block programming tool for kids that I used also as a tool in teaching kids programming. And what's fun about it is that the, uh, the kids or your daughters can learn how to do blocks, like if you do this, the if conditions, do this and that. Oh, and uh, that's a good thing. Uh, they have it in some classrooms in the States. So Tinker is a good tool uh, that you can also use. You, they can play in the iPad and move blocks and then they play it and then they see images like a game. They create their own games. And another tool that I use also to inspire kids or even younger generation, your daughters, is um, a block programming, uh, like Tinker as a tool, and a drone. I was teaching drone block programming with drones. So when they do blocks, they play using their iPad, they could fly a drone up and then they can program it to go left, right, down or swirl <laughs> so those things uh, can literally inspire probably your daughter and create that interest but the main thing is that you we don't force I don't have kids so we don't force the tech into our kids but let them find their way into being inspired with this you parents I think you can relate <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Nikos, for all the great uh, answers and uh, things, inspiration, insights that you shared with us, and for being flexible also to be our guest uh, guest Thank speaker you. today. And uh, do you have any initiatives or things that are coming that you would like to share with our audience? And if they want to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? uh okay well first of all thanks for having me uh, i am honored to be the first male guest of your podcast 
Um, about initiatives, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, I am starting a podcast and I do blog. My blog can be found at the, the URL uh, ndtechnique.com. Uh, uh, I believe we can write it uh, somewhere. Yes. And uh, then uh, I am also present in uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, you, you can get my uh, contact details uh, in the description of the podcast. And I am also very, very interested about um, um, diversity questions, uh, as well as uh, how to welcome juniors in the industry. Uh, I recently uh, had a guest lecture uh, at the, uh, how do you say, in Yrkeshögskola uh, here in Malmö. It is a private high school uh, teaching uh, object-oriented development, and I met a lot of very talented students. Uh, and I am happy to, to do some hobby projects with them, some hackathons, some uh, workshops maybe, and uh, who knows, may, maybe I can inspire someone. Thank you so much, Nikos, uh, for, for that, uh, that uh, inspiring uh, call to action uh, for our audience. And I do follow your, uh, your blog, uh, uh, ndtechnique.com. And we will be adding that uh, link into the podcast description as long with your uh, contact or social media details. And it's really great that you're inspiring the younger generation by speaking and sharing about what you do to uh, the Irkisuk school. And so that's uh, really uh, great. So uh, any final words, Cherry, for Nikos? Um, I just want to say thank you again. Um, Thanks interesting and it's an honor to have Nikos with us and uh, Nikos keep up what you do and uh, very inspiring what you've been doing to the community uh, and uh, thank you so much for your time with us and even for our audience thank you so much for joining us listening to us wherever you're listening it from your car from your bed or from work. Uh, uh, so thank you so much for spending time with us and uh, feel free to follow us in our social media and share this uh, episode uh, with Nikos if you find it insightful and useful for others, for your friends. Thank you so much. Yeah.